listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey everybody and welcome to the show. Welcome back. And welcome back to me. Welcome back to you. Welcome back to John. Hi, John. Hey. You're with us. I am. You're with me. Always. I, so, I... I, it's been a long, it's funny, I, I was so excited to do this podcast, but it's been so long. I'm, I'm sort of mixture of excitement and embarrassment. It has been a while. I think we were looking, we did that Christmas, a very short Christmas message, uh, the week of Christmas. And then that was the last time anybody heard from us. So there's a lot to update everybody on. And, and I made promises. I promised that we'd be back the next week with this New Year's, pre-New Year's podcast you broke your promise i did i did (laughs) and then and then you know have you ever done one of those things where like you failed to write somebody back or call them back or like and then every day it became you felt worse about it so you didn't do it and then it just kept (laughs) building up on you until finally the relationship was ruined is that what happened here yes and i mean i'm actually this this episode is all about me just going like, I've, I'm, I'm through with this podcast. I can't do it anymore because <laughs> right. I'm just so full of shame. <laughs> but, yeah. I, you know, my life just closed me out here for a couple of weeks. You know, and, I think and, you've got a couple of good excuses that you can begin to provide. So, so I told and you. You and I I'm, haven't talked, by the way. You, I, no. I don't know. Uh, I just know the very, very basics. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like... Bottom line, you know, my 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 mother in law and my and my sister in law were coming to visit us um, for Christmas, mm-hmm. and at at our new house. So we had moved into the house, and we had basically one week to try to shake out shake out this house. And then these guys were coming, and so literally the day before they were coming, like we're trying to put pictures on the wall and make the place look somewhat like a home and Mm -hmm. probably unpacked 40 boxes the day before they showed up. And so they show up and it was cool because we were sort of entertaining and it cooking in the house and it sort of made the place feel like, Hey, this really is a home. Like this is, this is going to be a good place for people to come and and be with us. And we had sort of designed that, you know, like did the rehab, to try to make it a place that a lot of people could come and stay with us. And they came and Christmas was fine. And it was a weird Christmas for us because my, my daughter was pregnant. And so she couldn't fly. And so she, she's out in Southern California. And my son was like, look, if Miranda can't come home, I'm going to go to my girlfriend's family, you know, cause you kind of got to do that sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and so we just decided we'll just we'll just skip this Christmas as a as a nuclear family, and uh, so it was a little weird because they weren't there. But I knew that I would see them late, you know, a week or two later when Miranda had the baby. Right. So my my mother in law comes and stays with us, and she's eighty seven years old, um, and she's really a neat person. I mean, you've met her, haven't you? I don't think I've ever met 
No, Marty's you haven't mom. met Edna. No, yeah. but I've heard about her before. You've you've actually told some stories about her on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, she's kind of a role model for me in terms of aging gracefully, and mm. and she's she's just a lovely person. I mean, I've always liked her, but I, I like her more with each passing day. And so, I, you know, we were thrilled to have her. But the weird thing was, is that you know, her body, her is is, is slowing down, and her memory, her short term memory, isn't as good as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Of course, neither is mine. You know, I mean, I think like that's just something that happens as we move on in, in age. But the longer she stayed at our house, the more disoriented she got. Um, and I think part of it was she was in unfamiliar setting. And part of it was she's she doesn't want to show her infirmity. And so she's working very hard to say like, well, I remember that or... I, I said this, right? Like, or yesterday you told me this and she's, she's constantly checking. And then when it turns out that what she thinks happened, isn't what happened, she becomes, you know, just dis, dis, discouraged. Mm. And so she's burning energy, trying to seem like she's remembering everything. And the burned energy means she remembers even less. Yeah. And then yeah. it's just a vicious cycle. And, and I mean, it got, she got so agitated that she wasn't able to sleep at night. Yeah, just just worked up, just not not able to deal, not able to roll with right. roll with. And, the, and, the, and of the course, the more on. the more sleepless she gets, the worse that the stuff right. gets. And finally, you know, got to be um, a couple of days after Christmas, and we went into her room after she had had a, 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 the worst night ever, and. Uh, and, and, I, and, you know, we just said, hey, we're thinking that you're not doing well here, you know. And she had a plane ticket to fly home on Sunday, but we sure didn't feel good about putting her on a plane. Right. And we didn't feel good about waiting a few days either. And so we're like, why don't we just jump in the car and we'll drive the 10 hours up to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and we'll just take you home. Mm. So that's what and you did. She, and she just lit up. She was like, oh, my gosh. That would be so wonderful. Like she was so ready to go home. Yeah. She didn't want to say anything either, huh? No. And, 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 you know, she didn't. And, and yet as soon as the idea was floated, you would have, you know, she just couldn't have been more grateful. And we, we got in the car that morning early and we drove home. And I mean, almost as soon as we pulled into her town, she started going like, yep, there's my bank. Yep, that's my church. And mm. there's my house. And as soon as we walked into the house, you could just feel this kind of flood of relief come over her. And she just yeah. said, you know, I can't travel anymore. Man, um, I you need, know, I need, I need to be in my familiar surroundings. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, people are familiar enough with that feeling that you can sort of identify it within yourself, but imagine that sort of amplified many, many times as you age. Yeah. And, and that literally your brain works differently when you are away from your familiar setting. Absolutely. And I mean, she's, don't get me wrong. I mean, she's still got some challenges when she's there, but she has all these coping mechanisms to handle that. 
and 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 what's expected of her is less and she spends a lot of time alone reading and she, and that's her happy place and then she has all these friends there but they come and visit her and it's in it's it's in a setting she knows and you know but so so we did we stayed up there for a couple of days with her just to make sure she was going to be okay and that was when we started having those conversations um with her and then with Marty's siblings about hey it's time for her not to drive yeah. And uh, and we're going to have to come up with a new regimen of checking in with her on a daily basis. And we're going to have to get some of her friends that are local involved in this. And that's a – in some ways, that's a very painful conversation that people have to have. In, in, in some ways, she just kept stopping in the middle of the conversation saying, like, I feel so grateful that – you're here and that mm. there are people that, that want to help me stay in my house as long as I can and that want to help me die gracefully. Wow. And uh, so we did. We ended up, you know, coming up with kind of a, a, an articulated plan for what was going to happen. But, you know, part of that plan was the realization that we're going to do all this stuff to try to keep her in her house as long as we can, but that the time is coming when she'll need to come and stay with us. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it's funny, like, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, you sort of talk casually, oh, you know, when, when things go bad, you come stay with one of uh, one of the kids and stuff. But like when it really came down to it, you know, we've kind of played, we've played our cards and she's played her money in such a way that the idea of going into one of these fancy care facilities, you know, or like, you know, retirement communities, like that, that's off the table for her. She doesn't have that kind of resources. None of her kids have those kind of resources. Mm -hmm. And so you realize like, oh no, she, she really is going to come stay with us. And we just got a taste of that and it yeah. wasn't good. And, you know, we're going to have to set up real differently when she comes back. Um, because when she comes back, it'll be for good. And what do you think uh, the, the timeline looks like on that? Is that something that's in the near future? Well, when we were driving her up there, I was thinking like, you know, we'll be packing. Like at the, <laughs> it'll be next week. But then <laughs> wow. when we got there and she reacclimated, I mean, you know, she's, she, she, I mean, it's not like she doesn't know who she is. It's not like you can't talk to her about anything that's happened in her past. It's not like she doesn't know who all of her friends are. She, you know, it's the short term stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, you know, this, th you know, this could go on for six weeks. This could go on for six months. This could go on for six years. I don't know how long she'd be able to stay in her house. Um, but I do know that when it's over, uh, you know, there's, she's going to need, she's going to need to be with people who care about her. And, you know, the kind of facility that, that I think would be available to her on her, just her, you know, retirement and her Medicaid, like it wouldn't be one of the places we want her, want, want to put her. And yeah. And how does Marty feel about all this? Well, you know, my Marty, you know, Marty's, she's great. Like, you know, we, we, we're kind of all the siblings, you know, it was, it, it's a nice group of, it's their nice group of siblings, but you know, like for, for one reason or another, it probably makes sense, more sense for her to be at our place than any of the other kids places. Mm -hmm. And yet at our place, we were like, you know, our new house, like to get to the guest room, you've got to go up 13 stairs. And so we're like, oh, oh we'll be clearing out the living room and, you know, and 
we had put a bathroom in next to the living room and you're like, oh, that was a good idea. You know, like, <laughs> but like when we were renovating this house, like we were in no way thinking about like having an elderly person staying on in our living room on the first floor. Mm-hmm. But like all of a sudden you're like, oh, this house may serve a purpose other than the one that we originally planned for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, wow. And and literally all the time we're up in Menominee, we're thinking, I hope Miranda doesn't go into labor until we get home. <laughs> this is so because she's yeah. she had had this really fraught pregnancy where she got put on disability and told she couldn't work because she was so stressed out at her job. Or or, you know, maybe that was it. Maybe it was something else. But the baby initially wasn't gaining weight. And they were really worried. Mm-hmm. And so they ended up putting her on on a, on a quieter regimen and she had to go to the doctor twice a week and they measured everything and counted everything. And it was it was just really nerve wracking for about six months. Mm. And they, we, we knew that they were going to induce her um, if she made it that far on uh, last last Thursday night. And, and that's what they did. And so we managed to get home. We were home for one day. And then we jumped on a plane and came out to uh, to California, to Southern California, in time to get to the hospital, in time to you know have dinner with Miranda and Tyler, and then they went off to the hospital to get induced, and we hunkered down um, to wait and see when they would call us. And the next morning, you know, Tyler calls and says, "You better come to the hospital. It's it's about to, it's on. It's going to happen." And, and, you know, I got to tell you, that was one of the longest, weirdest nights of my life. Life Be, um, Being there, uh, w- waiting for that to happen? Yeah. But like the whole run up, and th- th- maybe that's the thing I wanted to talk to you about, John, mm-hmm. is I talk a lot about authenticity. And I come off as this, you know, guy who's like, well, I say what I really think. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm honest and open. And Marty and I are laying in bed a couple of nights before the baby's born. And Marty says, you know, about four o'clock in the morning, she wakes up and she wakes me up and she's like, can I tell you something? And I'm like, yeah, sure. (laughs) You're bracing yourself. And she says, people keep asking me for the last six months, they keep saying, aren't you excited? Isn't this exciting? Oh, you must be so excited. And she said- I'm not that excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought to myself, okay, <laughs> I can finally say it. Neither am I. Really? No, not, no, no. I've been faking it the whole time. Because <laughs> it's socially unacceptable to say, no, I'm actually full of dread and anxiety. And, you know, because the, the weird thing is, is people are like, aren't you so excited? But like the truth of the matter is, is that this child is just a concept at this point. Like right. all they are is something that, but, but what they are is they represent the possibility that my daughter is going to have her heart broken, that my son-in-law, who, mm. like I adore, is going to have his heart broken, that their marriage is going to be put under a huge stress. Like these are kids like, you know, not even a year and a half ago, they got married. And then 
the one of the roommates, the guys that they were living with, committed suicide, and they went through a whole horror of that. that. And and you know they've been through a lot. They both have hugely stressful jobs. She's a therapist. He works with emotionally disturbed kids in a real in a tough inner city school district. Like, and I'm like, I, I, I was I'm terrified of what's going to happen here. Like, what if their baby is born with some kind of major malady, or, or, or there was a possibility of stillbirth? And you know, do do you think we, that these kinds of thoughts occur more to uh, someone in his fifties than than to uh, Tyler and Miranda themselves? Oh, you know, I I bet you're right. I mean, I wonder, I, I just wonder how, what age does, because I've noticed even in myself, you know, I'm 38. I've noticed that from the John of 10 years ago, I'm way more scared about all kinds of things now than I used to be. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. I mean, like, you know, I spend a lot of time, you know, over the last 30 years, I spent a lot of time with people in all kinds of trouble. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm much more aware than I was. When I had my kids, I didn't know all the different ways your life could get sideways. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah. but, you know, the truth is with all this modern technology, they were giving my daughter so much information and it was all scary. And so mm-hmm. I think she was like, I know she was nervous. I know Tyler was nervous. We talked about it um, somewhat, but you still, you kind of have to game face it. Um, you're, I'm trying to be upbeat for them. Cause you know, that's the thing. Like they say, like stress isn't good. Like don't worry because worrying isn't good for your baby. Mm-hmm. And so she, then she's worrying about worrying. Yeah. I'm trying not too to much? worry and feeling guilty for worrying too much. And so, so God, and it just seems so much better when I, when, when we had Tyler and we were both just completely, I mean, we were children ourselves. Like I was you know, 23, Melissa was 21 and you just felt like, okay, like this is just going to happen now. And like, we really weren't thinking about it a whole lot compared to what no, we would I, do now. And, and you, 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 you grew up like I did. Like I lived this charmed life where everything yep. kind of went my way, you know, right, for, right. till I was like 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Just kind um, of, nothing, just kind of nothing, nothing really super, super bad. Got everything you wanted, you know, mm-hmm. everything worked out like, you know. You always got the last three tickets, you know, whatever it was. Um, and it hasn't been that way uh, the last few years, you know, like. I, it's I, been I, tough. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I've just had enough things where I'm like, it. I, I no longer feel like uh, the winning streak is, uh, <laughs> you know, is, 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 is still on, you mm-hmm. know, like. Um, and so. But it was so weird. Like, so Marty and I are just sort of laying there talking and it was a huge relief just to admit. And, 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 and I think one of us, I can't even remember which one it was said, yeah, when this baby is born, I'm, I, I'm going to love it. Again, if it, if it comes out with three arms and four legs, I'm going to love it. Like as, put a person in front of me and I know how to love them. But like right now, a All conceptual she is, is a, person. Is a risk. Yeah, yeah, she's just a risk. Um, she's she's given that. me no no joy and all and all anxiety. Right. And I was a little resentful of the kid. I got to be honest with you. So did it feel uh, relie- relieving to articulate it? It did. I mean, it certainly it did 
between Marty and I. Um, you know, we didn't get off the plane and look at Miranda's stomach and say, kid, you're, you're, <laughs> you're killing me. Um, we, didn't, we didn't do anything like that, but like, it was good to have, it, you know, and, and you think like, we're pretty open and honest couple. And the idea that this was something that like, and, and, and the thing is, I wasn't ashamed to tell her that, but like, I didn't want to bring her down. Like, She's struggling with enough stuff. Like I didn't no, want to. Yeah, I didn't want yeah. to introduce this idea that like your husband's not excited, <laughs> and she didn't want to bring me down. I mean, that's why we hit it. It wasn't shame. It was. No. It was not wanting to pile on to the other person. Right. So I wonder how so much stuff gets buried that exact way, like between couples, and also but also just in any relationship. Yeah, I. I I, I suspect, you know, it's funny because I always think of shame as the reason that people don't share stuff, but it's not there the are reason. other reasons. No. Yeah. No. And that's a, that's an interesting thought. You're right. I mean, it's kind of like, I can see so many different reasons why people sort of like refused or like why they, why they keep something to themselves. And I'm, I've always been this very kind of like open and honest and just everyone should know everything. And I'm, I'm beginning to realize sometimes there, there are really good reasons to keep something to yourself. <laughs> I was thinking of that Jack Nicholson line, you know, you can't handle the truth. Right. And, right. And I think there are truths and there are moments when people can't handle the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I sometimes think that way in this whole, you know, deconversion thing. Like sometimes I'm talking to, to people of, you know, who are in moments where they're just like, I can't handle that thought, you know, please don't bring me your, your deconvert, you know, don't undermine my faith. It's, it's all I've got going right now. And, and I've had people I need that it right me, like, now. I know it might not even be true, but please, could you just leave it alone? Mm-hmm. And I mean, and there's even case, a, there's even an act where someone simply watches the film that I made about you and your dad, or simply reads the, read the book that you know that you and your dad wrote together, and that's enough to kind of like throw them into disarray or or make them make them question more than they were ready to question. Or it, you know what I mean? Like something even with the best the absolute best of intentions can sometimes be in that category. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I read this book about depression and there are some people that I've given it to and there's some people that I've sort of been hesitant to give it to because I'm like, mm. ah, this is not the moment for them to read this book. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I think that there's a lot to be said for being judicious in our, in our sharing and, you know, so in any case, you know, by the time we get out, so we get up on the plane and get on the airplane and we fly out here and we go out to, to lunch with Miranda and Tyra. They pick us up at the airport and then, you know, then they go off to the hospital to get induced. And, you know, I, when we finally got called to the hospital, you know, and then, and Roman and Miranda, Roman and, and Allie, um, came down from LA, Miranda's brother and his girlfriend, who like, is, it's so weird to call her his girlfriend at this stage in the game. <laughs> They're you know, partners. Because like, she, yeah, she's just part of the family. And, yeah. you know, Mar you know like, she's my daughter-in-law as far as, you know, I'm concerned. Um, 
I think as far as she's concerned. And so we're all just there at the hospital and, and, and they call us in the back room. They're like, so we go back there. Miranda's in bed. Tyra's there. We're just, we're standing around talking as we're waiting for it to happen. Then finally the moment comes where the nurse comes in and goes like, okay, um, we're coming to that time. Like, and she clears us all out except Tyler. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Tyler calls out and says, Hey, Miranda wants Marty. And so Marty actually got to be there for the delivery. Was that um, something she wanted to do like ahead of time? Had she articulated that she would like to do that? Yeah. I mean, she had articulated to me that she would like to do that. She certainly didn't want to put any pressure on Miranda. You right, know, like right. she's just like, you know, I'm here, you know, that's cool that, that, that worked me. out. Oh, it was, it was, it was amazing. I mean, you know, so, I mean, she actually got to participate. Like she held one leg, Tyler held the other leg, you know, they were breathing and ice chipping and doing all the stuff that you do. Wow. And, uh, and the baby, when the baby was born, you know, like we find out Marty, Marty texts out that, that, that it happened. It's, you know, and then she doesn't text out anything for another half hour. <laughs> Damn. And so I'm like, you know, cause they're busy, they're doing stuff, you know, of course and I'm like, are we talking healthy? You know, like, what do we got here? And uh, what were you doing at that time? Are you pacing? Are you sitting? What are you trying to do? I'm just sitting there talking with Roman and Allie and we're all just on tenterhooks. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, we got the word. No, no, we're talking healthy baby. Like everything's checking out. Everybody's fine. And the relief was so, you know, they said the joy, they said, no, it's just the relief. I was yeah. just so relieved. Um, and then, you know, you go back there and, you know, people talk about, oh, and you fall in love and it's so beautiful. And like, it is pretty amazing. Um, a new little baby, you know, and it was, it was, just, it was just, it was a great experience, you know, and, and like, it was kind of fun to be there all together as a family. And, you know, we all got to sort of see it and, and be with it and be with her. Her name's Maya Roosevelt. Um, and that's the thing. The other thing was, I'm like, what's her name? And Marty's like, they want to tell you when you, they want to introduce you. So like, I had to wait like an hour to get back in there. And then, then they were <laughs> like, this is, this is your granddaughter. This is Maya Roosevelt Stowers. And uh, they named her after Maya Angelou and Eleanor Roosevelt. Wow. Yeah, they they just I think they just wanted to make sure she had strong you know, strong um con- you know connotations or strong influences just mm-hmm. in the wording of her name. Mhm. Nice. Um yeah. Well, I saw a picture and uh, we we put that out of course uh a few days ago and you have like a million congratulations from people if you haven't been on Facebook, which I imagine you haven't. Oh man, uh, I haven't been anywhere. Right, right. But yeah, no, yeah, that's- just been hunkered down. That's incredible. So uh, now, uh, when I first held my son, you, people always describe like these profound moments. And I didn't feel profound. You know, like I felt, I felt uh, slightly overwhelmed, probably. I felt, uh, you know, concerned for Melissa, wanting to make sure she was okay. Like they, you know, she was going to go and- relax or something or be tended to or whatever she, whatever you do after a, after a delivery. And, uh, you know, I held my son for the first time. It wasn't, 
you know, it wasn't like this special moment. No, no, you know, and, and, the clouds did you didn't feel pressure? Part. Did you feel like there should be, you should be feeling something that you're not feeling? Yeah. 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 And so it's kind of the, the, that same, that same thing you were talking about, but, uh, yeah, my experience of, of being a parent, you know, Tyler is almost 16. He will be later this month. And, uh, my experience of that is that the older he gets, the more interested I am. You know what I mean? Kind of like the more, the more, the older he gets, the, 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 the happier I am to, to, to be with him and, and be doing things with him. And the more kind of actualized he becomes, the more of a bond we have. You know, it certainly didn't start off like at this maximal level and then and then, you know, attenuate from there. It was the opposite for me. And I guess it might be different for everybody. I don't know. You know, I think that that's one of the things that and maybe that's, you know, because like so I'm all I'm all circle of life right now. You know, like my my mother-in-law is coming to the end. Right. And right. and she knows it. And she's just like. You know, she, she, I mean, she's real honest about like, you know, I'm ready to die. Like mm -hmm. I don't, you know, and, 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 and yet she's like, but I'm happy to be, you know, happy to be talking to you right now. But yep. like, you know, if I, if I don't, if I don't wake up tomorrow morning, don't grieve for me. Don't be sad. I'm, I'm fine. Um, and I then this so new hope that that's the way I, I get eventually, you know, like I, I want to. I want to, I want that for me eventually. Like I want to be we, ready to go. Yeah. I mean, you've heard me say this a lot of times is that if you want to die that way, you, you, you can't wait until you're 85 you have years to cultivate old and think you got to cultivate it all the way down the road. Um, and, 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 and so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in that and then the new baby thing. And then in the middle of it, you know, I'm like 55 years old and my arthritis is killing me. You know, like in the last six months, more and more and more. And I haven't talked about it with anybody. I haven't really been sharing. Like, I, I got a lot of pain. I like I have a hard time walking in the morning. Um, mm. And and I, I, what's weird is I just go like, this is just, it's just what happens. It's okay. Like it's okay that my, it's it's all okay. Like I'm just grateful to be on the journey. And even this pain, I sort of go like, okay, this is part of it. Like. There's, this is part of the experience. And, and, and I guess the thing is when, as I think about it, when I was thinking about what you were saying about Tyler is that there's a lot of pressure where people keep telling each other what we're supposed to feel about these things. And, and I don't, I'm not sure I understand why that is. I'm not sure I'm not sure why we can't accept the fact that these are momentous things and that different people are going to encounter them differently and not create such a sort of a cultural norm that yeah. says you're supposed to feel this way at a wedding and this way at a funeral and this way at a at a birth and this way when it's your kid. I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And and you know so, and I, it's, it's been a really, I mean, I'm like emotionally a little bit exhausted. Um, yeah, I was going to ask know, so you how it's, how it's left you all of this, because you're starting the new year with a very kind of, uh, having had very profound 
experiences over the last few weeks and things that that would tend to make one think a lot are you thinking a lot or are you sort of is that oh, yeah. still to come like are you going to process from now on a lot of this no, stuff i'm thinking a lot I, here's the other thing this is and this is apropos of nothing and everything at the same time but like in the midst of mm-hmm. all this the baby gets born the first time i see my daughter look at her cell phone i'm like oh my god oh my god it's the end of the world like their cell phones and <laughs> You know, parents are, should not be looking at cell phones. They should be looking at their children. And uh, this baby is going to have devices. And I'm at an airport and I'm seeing little kids with devices. And I'm like, it's all ruined. And this child is growing up in a horrible world. And I just freak out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, I, you know I, tr- I ended up saying to my daughter, I said, like, you know, it's so different now than when you were born. Like, just even just these cell phones. And my daughter immediately looked at me and said, yeah. She said, like, do you, have you read the stuff about what happens when nursing parents look at their cell phones? They're like, their kids end up with way different attachments and all the stuff. I mean, she's all over it. She, she's aware of it. I was so relieved by that too. <laughs> but, but as I'm freaking out about this, I'm also realizing that I haven't put together a podcast for two weeks. And yet... I knew that the Eagles game yesterday, that the missed field goal, it turns out, was touched by an Eagles fingertips that oh may God. have caused it to miss. And I go like, because I saw that on ESPN or Google uh, or Yahoo rather, when I was checking my computer for the 79th time yesterday or my phone. And I realized like, I've got a problem myself like that I've been in denial about for the last year. Like what's the problem? I've I've got a problem with I'm one of those guys who checks his phone too much and mm-hmm. who wastes time during the day when I should be working reading up on you know the latest in the NBA and and checking what Donald Trump said in the New York Times or whatever, like stuff that doesn't I'm, that doesn't matter to your life or to what you're doing. I'm, I, I, you know, I have because I don't do the Facebook thing and the social media thing and the Twitter thing. I have thought that I am better than other people on this stuff, <laughs> or that like I'm safer is, than other people. This is a, an episode of honesty. Well, you know, that's the thing is that I'm looking at this little child and I'm going like. I'm acting, I'm thinking out loud, like I, we got to watch out for this little kid. We don't want them. And I'm going like, I'm the guy. I'm the tr- I'm part of the problem here. <laughs> like I, I'm wasting time. Like I should be doing things that are productive. I should be, I should be either talking to people or writing something or making a good podcast or, you know, or, or, or visiting somebody in the hospital. I should be doing something meaningful. And I, in the last year, you know, because I work alone and I have the, I have the freedom to do it. There's nobody looking over my shoulder. Like I, I've gotten sucked in and I'm like, I've got a problem. Does that make, uh, does that make you think it's, it's time for resolutions? Like, is that where it goes for you? You know, I mean, 
what do you think about the resolution thing? I, I, on some well, I hate level, the word, like, I, but that's just because I, I feel like, uh, you know, it gets it gets such a bad rap. But yet I do do that every year. Like I, I do make a list of sort of goals for the year or things that I'd like to do. Yeah. And I don't know, like, like when do we as a society ever collectively like take a week off? Essentially. Right. Like even when, right. even those people that are working, like there's some sense in which it's a weird week. Not much work gets done. No, they should really just close those offices. But yes, you're right. At, uh, we don't typically do it a whole lot. We do it Thanksgiving week for, for half the week, and then we do it at the end of the year. And so and, it's not um, surprising that that's also, you know, like, like there's something about like the calendar turning over, mm-hmm. the time that you have to, you know, the fact that Christmas is this like time in which family is so emphasized that everybody's miserable like there's so much misery at Christmas for people that don't have what, right. again, what they're expected to have or aren't feeling what they're expected to feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was with a friend in Cincinnati, a guy who moved there a few months ago, and he came there to kind of be part of our little humanist fellowship because he doesn't ha- he didn't have a lot going where he was living, but he shows up and immediately gets sick not immediately, but like fairly quickly gets sick. And he ends up in a situation where he's really stuck at home almost all day long in this little efficiency apartment. And he doesn't have, he hasn't built up any capital, much capital with anybody in Cincinnati. He doesn't have a network here. And so he's just alone almost every day, feeling miserably sick. And the holidays are coming in like, you know, I'm trying to spend as much time with him as I can. And he's just like, I hate this season. I hate this so much. Like mm-hmm. it is only made worse by the, all the messages around me that are like, you know, home for the holidays, be with your family. Like this is a time for friends. He's like, I got nothing except pain. Mm. And that's the worst. But what, I, but what I think is like that guy is going to be thinking at this in this season about his life. Like he's going to be evaluating his life. Like the season almost demands that you evaluate your life. And so it's not surprising me. Like it's the end of the calendar year. There's time off to think. And there's a huge social pressure to evaluate. Like, what have you got going right now? I think that's how right. How you doing? You know, how's it going for you? Yep. Everybody's sending out pictures, like going like, hey, here's how it's going for me. You know? Here's me and my family. Here's where we are. And, you know, I, I know half of it's bullshit. I know everybody's posturing, but it, it, it's pretty overwhelming, this whole, like, take stock of your life thing at the end of the year. It is. I always, I've always kind of joke about the tyranny of Christmas. I do feel it's true. And I know you, you mentioned, you know, being sort of like a semi-scrooge about about Christmas sometimes. You just sort of like love it and hate it, right? At, at the same exact time. Yeah, I mean, and, I think um, it should be like the Olympics. I think they should do it every four years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and I think the same can be said really of of this expectation at, at the new year for, for you know, everyone's going to be fresh and, you know, the gyms are packed with people, you know, who are all these great intentions and they'll all be empty by the end of January. And those things are almost tropes by now. But I think it is, yeah, I think there's some benefit to the fresh start thing and, the, and to the it setting intentions for the year, or at least there is for me. And one of the things I think um, 
in our podcast, Bart, over the last year that I think has been a an implicit revelation uh, in in especially your conversations with guests has been that there really isn't a universal for everybody. Um, you know, when it comes to how your life looks or the certain thing, you know, there's certain values that apply to everybody, but how those are implemented look very differently. And, and, you know, getting out of a, a, a sort of a faith-based mindset where, you know, there's the same exact prescription for everybody's life, no matter where they were basically or who they were. Um, and, and sort of dispensing with that can be a, a quite a feat of deprogramming. And so what, what really a fresh start feels like to me is a way to sort of look and go like what's best for me like what 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 are the lessons that i need right now or like how can i reset in a way that's uniquely beneficial to me and the people that i'm in relationship with rather than some sort of you know like what's a, the best way to live yeah what's the best way or what's the best diet or what's you know whatever all this advice and so you know, that's kind of where I'm at. And I, I uh, yeah, it certainly yeah. helps. The, the stuff that you've been through the past few months certainly helps focus the mind, I would imagine. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that th- this this weird thing in which I was, I'm, I'm worried about a lot of other people. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think about a lot of, you know, that's kind of my, my shtick is I worry a lot about, other, and not I worry about, but I think about a lot about other people. I try to be involved in other people's lives. And like, it's kind of cool. And people kind of like me because I'm so present for them mm-hmm. in their troubles. And you're also a reliable person. Like you're you're someone who you can rely on generally to like give good advice, be there, you know, get, if, if you need to talk to someone, talk to Bart. Yeah, I show up. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's just a goodness to that. But like, here's the thing is that I, you know. I think that sometimes that is a way of, for me, of escaping looking in the mirror and asking the question, besides loving other people, which is something, you know, you're good at, you know, what else is happening with you? Mm -hmm. And how are, you know, like- 100%. How how are you doing here? And, 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 you know- what are you working on and what are you thinking about? And and for me, this whole thing of realizing that I've been talking about the dangers of technology. And, you know, like after reading that book, um, um, Reclaiming Conversation and, and, you know, I've gotten so sort of articulate and educated about the dangers of technology to our relationships. And I guess like, I mean, I feel like one of those televangelists who's been preaching against, you know, sexual deviancy, like, you know, and then it turns out like I'm Jimmy Swaggart and I've been like seeing <laughs> prostitutes and, you know, or right. I'm Jim Baker and, you know, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I'm that guy who's like, oh, you've, been, you know, like I always used to say, like when a preacher is talking too much about something, <laughs> like, you know, like look carefully. Yeah. You know, um, cause he's preaching to himself and I, right. I think I'm realizing that I've been preaching to myself on this stuff. Like I'm, I haven't got a good firewall or I haven't got a good regimen to keep me from getting, wasting a lot of time and energy 
on trivial stuff and mm. also like getting sucked into the thing where like I feel worse about myself at the end of looking at some of this stuff than others. And I, I mean, you know, I mean, if I was on Facebook and Twitter, I'd probably be like laying in a gutter now. Like I've thought I was better than other people. Other people are way better than me because like they're still functioning and they're dealing with way more of this stuff than I am. The distractions. I am being laid low by even, I am being laid low by a, a very small bandwidth. I don't have yeah. the stuff. I, I, you know, and if, if I ever start, like people sometimes say like, you should be reading the comments that people make about you and, and you should be responding. I'm like, if <laughs> no, I ever never did do that, that, like- I, I, I can barely handle Yahoo. Like I, I actually, like I know shit about the Kardashians and, <laughs> and Danica Patrick uh -huh. and, uh, you know, and, 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 and Megan, Megan Markle. I like, I know stuff that like, it is so ridiculous that I even know that has nothing to do with me. Okay. So how about we do. Um, some shows on some of these things. Like, how about we do a show on um, that kind that kind of discipline? Because that's really what that is, right? It's about d the discipline to stay on task, and and it's about focus. Yeah, I mean, I think we I, I think we got to reach out to somebody who's you know who's understanding and sort of talk about like, look, if you want to make the most of this life, like, I think we're all kind of aware that that's not the way. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I think you're right. We probably need to like, I, you know, I mean, uh, I, I think I've, I think I've stumbled yeah, yeah. upon some, some tricks. Like, uh, I used to sort of keep up on news throughout the day. Cause I'm kind of a news junkie. It was my job for a long time to be, uh, keeping up on it. And it's hard to deprogram that after what, 14 years doing it. Now what I do is I wake up and the first thing I do, and it's going to sound counterintuitive. I reach for my phone before I even get out of bed. And the reason I do that is because I want to open that New York times app and read all the way down. Like I'll, I'll, zoom into different stories and just re I'll spend like 10 minutes sort of just acquainting myself with, you know, what the New York times says about what's going on in the world that day. And, and that'll, that'll keep me kind of free then from that point on, I won't maybe look again at the news until lunchtime because I've already sort of absorbed the essence or the big sort of the aggregate of, of all of the big things that really matter that day. And I trust I do have a good amount of trust in the New York Times to sort of curate that for me. So I, I don't mind not checking 50 sources. Does that make sense? And so that, yeah, that's yeah. kind mean, of worked I, I, for me a little bit. Yeah, I, I checked the New York Times once in um, an hour. I mean, it's, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, like, like the discipline is- Because something might have happened. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong. Like, And again, like I wasn't even aware. Like if you said to me a month ago, do you check the New York Times every hour? I would have gone like, no, are you kidding? Like, that would be ridiculous. But I was, <laughs> I just wasn't, I wasn't aware of it. Right. Like, I, I, I literally wasn't aware of it. And so, um, and that was actually a correct use of the word literally, which is so rare these days. It is rare. Um, so, yeah, like what I, I think I need to do is we need to track down some people that, you know, because they have, that, that have helped people mm -hmm. through get better on this stuff. I love because, it. Because, you know, it, one of the conceits of this show is that we, we call it humanize me because like I'm here interviewing people, asking them to help me become more human. 
And like, you know, everybody overhears those conversations, but like in a sense, like I'm seeking out these experts and trying to learn from them, whatever, whatever, whatever from their field that we can apply to this business of making the most of our lives. And I'm just suddenly aware of an area of my life that I need, I need a hell of a lot of help in. That's cool though, because that's where growth begins, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe, I mean, like, you know, they always say that like what being, becoming aware of the problem is, you know, is half the battle. And I'm always like, well, if you fight the other half of the battle, if, if you don't, <laughs> it's actually just misery. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Self-awareness sucks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think this is, I think, and the weird thing is like, it's, it's all this circle of life stuff because I was with a friend last night who just lost his mom and, uh, and his dad's on his way out. And he was saying to me that it's focused him and he's asking similar questions of like, what is my life? You know, what is my life about? Like, what, like, what will I have to show for it? What am I doing here? Um, and, and I think that, you know, the circle of life stuff, seeing this new life come into the, you know, you sort of go like, well, what am I supposed to be for this little girl? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean to be her grandfather? What does it mean to be her poppy? You know, like what, and, and it's a reminder to me that I don't know if I would stay motivated to keep trying to grow as a human being, if it's just about myself. Like, I think it is actually like, and I don't, again, like, I don't think this is how everybody's motivated, but some of us will not take care of ourselves unless we're taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of somebody else. Well, and one of the, one of the things that you mentioned there, when you said you look after, you you sort of are so other focused, focused on everyone else in your life. One of the things my uh, therapist told me was that I'm always talking, you know, anytime I, I've been in there, I've talked to her about what other people want and what other people, you know, the needs of other people and how I need to be there for this person and how I wouldn't need to do this for this person. And she said almost entirely absent is what you want in the, in that narrative. And that's something that I think, again, could resonate with some of our listeners who came out of the Christian world, because you're very much taught that other people are the main focus and what you should be doing. And like, you know, it almost feels like, like a sin or like selfish to think about yourself too much or to think about your own needs. Yeah. But don't you think that's a trap? Like, I mean, I, you know, I think that so many people I know that are lonely are lonely because they're not interested enough in other people. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is just a cliff. You're right, and I think this is just a cliff you could fall off in in both directions. You know, you yeah, you, you right. could you could walk it wrong in more than one way. Yeah, because it's true. Because like you know, I, I you know, if you said to me like Bart, what do you really want? And I go like, I want to be sitting on the edge of a party, looking at all the people. And everybody's got somebody to talk to and everybody's got enough to eat and yep. everybody's yep. happy. Yep. Like, that's what I want. And you go, yeah. Like, and, and you I, and I and are I, m- made of the same stuff on that. Like we look around, I, I just, what do, what do I want? I told my therapist, I go like, I want other 
I want my people to be happy. I want them all to be happy. And and I want them all to like, at some point to go like, you know, Bart was kind of helpful to me in that. You know, like, eh, yeah, yeah. you know, like he, Bart, you know, I, I, you know, one of the reasons I'm so happy is because, you know, I had that conversation with Bart or like Bart did this, like, like, I, like, I'm not lying when I, like, 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 I'm not pretending that it's selfless here. Like, I want, I, I don't necessarily want all the it's credit. It's what but, turns like, you I want. Will, it's what, it's, yeah, it's what does it for I you. Just, yeah. Now, and, and here's the weird thing. It's like, it's, again, this is like with the, what did you feel when you were holding your baby for the first time? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's the only right thing to want. No. <laughs> Like, I think that like, that's what I want. There are other people that like, they want to make something of beauty and push it out there into the world. And like, you know what? Like I go to their movies and I'm glad they want that. Like if they want it, if they were so concerned about other people, they wouldn't have made that amazing piece of art that I just enjoyed. And so like, I don't want everybody to want the same thing. But like, I am fairly attuned to the fact that like, that's something I really want. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, that's why uh, this Christmas was particularly hard for me because I was more aware than I've ever been of how many people there are, especially in the deconverted Christian world, people that have left the faith who, at least for the time being, are like, t- they're like trapeze artists that have let go of one bar and they haven't yet found the other bar. And they're just kind of alone in midair. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, Part of the reason I'm so passionate about trying to create places of connection for people on the other side of faith is because I, I just that loneliness that so many people experience. Um, yeah, it just it just it breaks my heart. And 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 you know, honestly, the best emails that I get from this podcast are people that say that like being part of this conversation has made them feel less alone in that, in that space. Yeah. Um, because I did. Yeah. So, so, so I think, know, I, I think we've either, is, we've, is we've this either, a podcast? Did, oh, did no, we do it a is. podcast? It's absolutely a podcast. And it's the perfect way to start the year. And I think we've also like inadvertently or advertently, uh, identified a lot of places where we can go in this podcast in, in 2019. So I think that's cool too. Yeah. All right. So listen, I, you know, I'm just thinking like, I'm going to send you a picture of my mother-in-law. Please do. Because she's this wonderful person. And, I, you know, I just kind of think like, hey, we talked about her. I'm going to send you a picture of her. You can put that up okay. on the show nights. I'm going to send you a picture of my daughter and son-in-law and their baby. Because that, you know, like, and it's, it's I, I don't want it to be like one of these Facebook, like, look how beautiful my kids are. <laughs> like, it's just like, we talked about them. And you, when you look at that baby, just see relief. Just see like. To see like the, the the answer to the question that I've been asking for the last nine months, which is, is it going to be okay? And like, at least for the time being, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'm going to send you a picture of my cell phone. Um, and, <laughs> uh, so that, you know, so that you can hate it with me and, 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 and as a representation of all that needs to change in my world. <laughs> nice. Hey, John, thanks for talking to me, man. Thanks to you too. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your trip with the family. When are you going to be heading home? You know, I don't know yet. I, I like w- my, my son-in-law had to go back to work this week. And so we're sticking out here for at least a week to try to help Miranda, you know, cook and clean and laundry and all that stuff. So next uh, time we do a podcast, you might well be still in Southern California. It could be. I mean, when, when he gets off, when he gets off, when he goes 
get he's going to take two day, two weeks of paternity leave after this week and when he takes off he may they may just be like hey get out of here you mm-hmm. know like they need to nest or whatever they whatever all that is and and they're doing really well together good. they're a good couple and so they you know yeah, they're so awesome. I, I, we may be here for a week we may be here for a couple of weeks but uh we'll see and Great. but but you know i think next week um we we'll have a we'll have a guest yeah. And we'll do a regular podcast and it'll be like, you know, if, for those of you that are worried, like we will actually get back into the rhythm of humanize me. Can't wait. All right, man. Thanks, Bart. I'll talk to you later. For more on Bart, go to bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. Go to patreon.com slash humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at Humanize Me Pod on Twitter and Humanize Me Podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search Humanize Me on Facebook. To ask your own question on the show, leave it as a voicemail at 424 291 2092. That's 424 291 2092. And finally, please review us on iTunes. It really helps. Catch you next week. Humanize Me is a production of Jux Media. You could be larger than life, bigger than the world, living out the hopes and dreams of every boy and every girl. You could fly higher than the sky, shine brighter than the stars. You can live for you ever You could